I will bite my thumb at them, which is a disgrace to them if they bear it. go oh what (laughs) (laughs) hi hi (laughs) what what were you gonna say you said i'm about to record and i said i'm gonna keep it that way so i wasn't actually gonna hit record i was just gonna (laughs) keep being ready to hit record gotcha now i I did it yeah you're you're a good guy you you play by the rules so that's nice of you um now i have meaning to my life i hit record Before I was so rudely interrupted, (laughs) I was about to say, (laughs) welcome to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. Uh, My name's David. My friend is this guy. I like Fresca, and my name is Aaron. Are you drinking Fresca right now? I am. a sugar-free man. That seems like a poor life choice. Um, (laughs) Actually, that's not entirely true. I don't mind Fresca. I'm currently off of sugar, and I don't really love diet pop. Yeah. But something 100%. about Fresca, like it's, it still has that aspartame leftover taste. Yes, it does. It it's not as I don't find it as strong as normal diet pop. So that's it's fair. Kind of it, my one little treat that keeps me going. Yeah, it is one of I I would agree. It's it's like the pop that uh, you know uses aspartame or whatever that um, is tolerable. Because I'm the same way. I can't drink diet pops either i think they're they're disgusting uh so you know that's fine that's fine you do you man you do you i actually forgot to bring even a water out to i'm still in the rv we were talking about that shortly before hitting record i've i forgot to even bring water out here Um, have some doritos do i have some doritos oh i do look at that yeah we're getting ready to drive home we got we're stocking up on snacks as it were um but, uh, which means I should have something to drink in here, right? But I think the only thing that's in here is I have cans of like cold brewed coffee, but I don't want to drink one of those right now. <laughs> <laughs> you might just be ready to go home right after this. Then. Oh, exactly. All right, kids, get in the RV. We're going home. <laughs> I'm never sleeping again. Um, yeah. So anyway, I'm, I'm both looking forward to driving home and at the same time, definitely not looking forward to it at all. Actually, by the time this comes out, we will be a few days into the drive. So if you're mm-hmm. listening to this right now, um, think of Welcome me. to David's personal <laughs> hell. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, thoughts, prayers, positive vibes, whatever you can send my way. Much appreciated. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But... Um, yeah. So anyway, let's uh, let's get into some new music. There's a couple of albums that came out uh, in the past few days. Since I, I always feel a little like, am I supposed to try to make it sound like we're recording this as new as possible? But at the same point, you know, I'm like, well, obviously we're not because we're about to talk about. I think for both of us, a couple of albums that just came out a few days ago. But by the time the podcast gets released, it'll you know, it'll a whole new round of new releases will have already come out. But so what do you what do you got on the docket that you're listening to that's uh you know new or newer this week? Yeah, I've got uh so for a newer one, Strike Anywhere's new EP, Nightmares of the West. I know you'd like to forget, but I need you now to remember there's more to life than boring reality. 
Strike Anywhere is a kind of a politically charged punk band that's that's been away for for a while. I think they I'm not sure if they broke up officially or not, but they definitely have been away, and so it's uh, cool to get some new music from them. Um, they're kind of one of the few kind of political punk bands that I really loved when they were in their prime, and so it's uh, sweet to have some new tunes from them. Yeah. And I'm um, still jamming the Scott Sellers Influence album. I was listening to it again today on my bike ride home, and and uh, one that we failed to mention last week was the new single from Slick Shoes, which I guess if you listen to the interview, you heard about that, but... Um, that came out the Friday before last, and I'm still listening to that, and still yeah. super excited about that. So, did you did you have a song off of the uh, Strike Anywhere EP that kind of jumped out to you? You know what? Not really. It's so. I mean, it it's been. Um, how am I trying to say? I couldn't kind, tell you kind what of a <laughs> <laughs> maybe a bit of a difficult listen. It's one of those bands that you know it, it's cool to have new music from but it's at least for me it just doesn't hit me the same way as as their older albums did so right. while it's really cool to have new music from them i really enjoy it it wasn't necessarily a, a specific song that that stood out it's an ep so just go listen to the whole thing it's five or yeah. six songs or whatever so i'll say yeah, it's uh, all good it's it's seven songs and 20 minutes long it's <laughs> not much to, okay there you go you know, yeah, it's 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 pretty good. I I did listen to it the other day and I actually I enjoyed it. I Strike Anywhere is a band that I've you know, this I feel like this gets said all the time, but it's a name that's always been out there for me that I was aware of but never as far as I can recall listened to. So, uh when you, you know, sent it, I th- I'm pretty sure I heard about it because you sent it. I don't remember if it popped up on anything else for me, but um I I went and checked it out and I dug it. It was good stuff. So, um, I, I support that suggestion <laughs> of Strike right Anywhere. On. Yeah, the um, I guess the album, the new album kind of that I was listening to a few times uh, since it came out would be um, Skeleton Coast by the Lawrence Arms. Woke up in foreign skin on a frozen continent Yeah, they're another band that um, I think like I've I've known the name for years and never really you know I may have listened to them here or there but never really got into them and I I, I really dug this album for the most part the song Dead Man's Coat uh, is one that really kind of stood out to me it's it's interesting because um, the vocals on I, I like I, I'd like to say I like half of this album because they've I believe two kind of lead vocalists and one of them is really strange and and kind of harder for me to get into and the other one uh i don't know their names sorry i didn't i didn't do the research but uh uh, the guy who sings on this song dead man's coat it kind of reminds me gives a like actually an alkaline trio and bad religion kind of um Mm, mix and so yeah it's i i kind of dug it um 
if you're a Lawrence Arms fan, I, I don't need to tell you about them, obviously. Uh, so, you know, you've probably already listened to it. But if you're like me and you haven't given them a chance ever, I mean, why not give them a chance? It's worth it. It's worth, It's always worth giving new music a chance, you know? Yeah, I've, I've seen them described as ogre punk. How do you feel about that description? As, as what? Ogre punk. Ogre punk. I want to know what that even means. Like, my uh, kids actually just watched one of the Shrek movies today, so that's kind of fitting that you bring that up. But I don't know if it's like the... If it's like they're bearded or they have a Celtic right. vibe or they're from the northeast or something, I'd have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I, I think, I want to say they're from Chicago area. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, Ogre Punk. Uh, the one guy whose voice I couldn't really get into definitely kind of has, like, at times almost like um, – like I don't want to say like a fairy tale quality. I don't know if that comes across right, but like he's he's got a weird he's got a weird interesting voice. That yeah, could, maybe that's that where I, it's from. Who knows? Yeah, that could be like in some kind of you know like uh, movie or something. I don't know. That's that's funny. Ogre punk. Anyway, <laughs> there you go. We're not here to talk about uh, Strike Anywhere or the Lawrence Arms or uh, the new Slick Shoes, any of that. We decided. Um, if, if you saw the artwork for this episode, uh, we decided to actually continue with a little bit more of, uh, an alkaline trio series. It wasn't meant to be a series. It was meant to be one episode that we kind of tied in to wrap up, I guess you could say like the blink 182 series that we did. Uh, but then when I was editing that episode, we had picked another band, other albums to do. And I was like, I just, it's funny because I said to you, I'm just not ready to leave Alkaline Trio yet. Yeah. Um, and what I meant when I said that was I was I was just like wanting to listen to those two albums more and more. And then you were like, well, do you want to do another episode? And I was like, yeah, we could. And then, you know, you'd mention like, how about two of their newer albums? Because you had mentioned in the last episode, if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. We covered uh, From Here to Infirmary as well as Good Morning. I mean, that wouldn't technically be the last episode because the last episode was the Slick Shoes interview. But you know what I mean? Last episode that we did together, uh, we did uh, From Here to Infirmary and Good Morning. And um, and you had said in that episode that, yeah, you, you kind of got into them later in their, in their catalog. So we decided why not do a couple later albums. So if you couldn't figure it out from the cleverly worded title that wasn't that clever at all, we're going <laughs> to cover Agony and Irony as well as This Addiction. Uh, but we're going to start with Agony and Iron. Here it is again, and it stings like the first time. Seems it never ends. Double nickels on your dime. I thought we were friends. I guess it just depends who you ask. These feelings tend to leave me with a hole in my chest. A hole, a hole in my chest. Yeah. 
what's uh, these? These were two albums that you kind of, I guess, put on the board. So why don't you take over introducing us to these records? Yeah, and just to kind of uh, tag on that last thought, I I always appreciate when bands have you know a big discography because you know for someone like me that didn't get into them right away or maybe. Um, you know, somebody didn't really like the earlier work or whatever. It's cool to have that opportunity where it's like, well, they've released, you know, four or five other albums after that and still are, are still are releasing albums. You know, there's a number of bands like that where it's like, ah, it's pretty hard to get into those early albums or I missed out on them. But it's great to have, you know, other albums in the discography that, you know, maybe sound better or have a, a change in style or even a band like this that kind of stayed more or less the same. But it still has something more more to give. So yeah, we just real quick we discussed kind of in that last episode when they jumped into from here to infirmary, how uh, you know some fans had said, oh, I miss the old kind of a little more raw, I guess you could say less polished alkaline trio. Whereas I think like these records, especially once we got into Good Morning, um, these records kind of carry over in that same vein. Like from here to infirmary was still a bit more raw than uh, than Good Morning, but I think um, that that was you could really see like the beginning of the polishing of their sound, which they've obviously carried over into later years. But uh, yeah, so I, I I would be interested to I've I've gone back and listened to those first two records a couple times over the years, but I wasn't those weren't the records that I originally got into either, so I don't really connect with them right away, but. Maybe, maybe the records that I could go and listen to and be like, oh, actually, there's a lot of really good stuff here. Yeah, and I feel, so this is kind of a little off-tangent, but, you know, a few bands that come to mind are, you know, bands that we've talked about before, MXPX, and, you know, bands like Green Day, where, you know, you kind of have a certain crowd that maybe got into them at, you know, at one time, but they've released lots before that, or some before that at least, and a bunch after. So it gives a lot of room to, to attract different kinds of listeners, which is always cool when a band can do that even if the style like i said with alkaline trio stays the same it still gives that opportunity for more people to come and then discover the old stuff or new stuff or the, you know you can pick and choose which era you like mm-hmm. the best or whatever so it's, it's just it's, always neat to have those bands it's interesting because alkaline trio i find like they're a band that's been around for years that really polished that sound like you said like the sound stayed fairly consistent they've just gotten you could say like in a, in a roundabout way, you could say they've gotten better at it, I suppose. Um, whereas then you mentioned bands like Green Day, where they've gone through stylistic, like like style changes over time. Um, and then like they've got legit different eras of that band yeah. in regards to sound. And then, you know, you have bands like MXPX where, yeah, they've been around for a while as well. And it's safe to say, I think, that, you know, like their, their releases in... Maybe it's not 100% safe to say because they have had some pretty great albums in like the out of the last few, but some of their stuff over the years has been kind of like, okay, <laughs> you know, like very much not not enough to love or hate, I think, um, but just like, all right, well, that's there. I mean, if I want to come back to it, I suppose I could. Yeah. And, you know, and there's people that love those albums that maybe we don't love as much. And so, again, more power to those bands that have more opportunity to gain more diverse listeners because they have so much material out there maybe it's worth doing a series on uh, okay let's get into <laughs> this uh just kidding 
So Agony and Irony is the sixth studio album um, by American punk rock band Alkaline Trio, released on July 1st, 2008. So happy Canada Day to us, I guess. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's already 12 years ago. So in my mind, when, you know, when I brought this up, I was like, oh, some of their newer records. It seems newer, but it's still 12 years old, you know, it's yeah. still, a lot has happened in there. And so it's not like it's, you know, super new, but um so with this album, the band had announced that they had signed with a major label. So this is, you know, kind of classic for that time. There was a, you know, between, you know, the early 2000s anyways, there was lots of, you know, kind of pop punk bands signed to major labels. And so that wasn't, it wasn't a new thing by any means. Um, but like many of the major labels around this time, there was lots of restructuring happening and, you know, bands would sign to a major label and then, you know, all the staff would leave or switch and, and uh, it would kind of leave the band feeling a little bit abandoned, and so they ended up um, signing to Epic Records. So I don't that kind of there was a restructuring process, and and they took over on that. Um, regarding the album, vocalist and guitarist Matt Skiba stated that the band set out to set set out to record an anthemic hard rock record. I don't I find that interesting because as I was listening to this, you know, it's not necessarily a style that I would picture as anthemic hard rock. So it's right. kind of, I wonder where they kind of, um, but as, um, as I'll say here, you know, Matt was listening to a lot of Pat Benatar, Def Leppard, and a lot of the 80s <laughs> MTV music that he grew up on. So I guess that's probably where, where he got that, you know, there was a lot of influence from that um, on this album. And I don't really know a lot of that 80s music, so I didn't necessarily notice those influences as much. So it was fun to kind of listen and try to pick those out. You know, I don't know if I was very successful at that or not, but... Um, an interesting way to kind of shift their sound and and take on uh, some different influences. So there's a theme of duality on this record. It's sort of a spin on you know ebony and I- ivory, which of course represents black and white, which uh, which I always like that content. I think I remember saying that on the Far From Heroes um, interview. Where I was talking about one of their albums where there's just a lot of lyrical content about you know good and evil and that battle that kind of goes on, and so. You know, I think Alkaline Trio did a really good job of incorporating that into the lyrics and, and making that uh, an interesting, interesting album. Mm-hmm. And by August, so that's, you know, only a month later, the album had sold 57,000 copies, which, you know, we mentioned on, on the last episode of theirs, you know, talking about sales and how I was kind of unexpectedly surprised at kind of how many albums they were selling. I know that was still still kind of the era of CDs. I think maybe they were maybe starting to go out by then. I can't remember exactly the timeline, but I just thought that that was still a pretty impressive number by that point. Yeah. Yeah. This album is, um, it's an interesting one to me going back to your comment about anthemic hard rock, because, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't, when I picture hard rock bands, I'm not picturing alkaline trio or this album even, right? Like, it's not like, you know, Oh, how could alkaline trio do this? Uh, anthemic for sure. But I feel like they were always pretty, you know, like their choruses hit pretty hard, but maybe they did put a little, you know, extra focus on that um, at times on this record. Because I find with this album, comparing it to um, This Addiction, is that this album, I think, has more like high points, more memorable, uh, like the memorable songs on this record are more memorable 
than on this addiction. So I'm curious to see, like, when we get into that record, you know, some of the, your your thoughts on it, and also, you know, you know, if you've got some sort of background stuff on it. But uh, and maybe and maybe that's part of the reason why is because on this song, like, or on this album, maybe they were trying to really emphasize like making it so you can sing along and it's instantly like in your ear sort of thing. Yeah, and you know, when I think of this album or as I listen through it, you know, it's it's a great album. It it's it's really catchy. There's lots of cool memorable parts. You know, is it super anthemic? Is it, you know, really dug in my ears? Not really. You know, about the same as other Alkaline Trio albums where it's, you know, catchy parts, clever lyrics, you know, simple structures, so it's easy to digest, but um yeah, I don't know if I would necessarily say you know it was like super anthemic yeah it it doesn't come to mind when i when i think of that yeah i just think maybe in the like the choruses um and 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 just specifically like in the songs that i think kind of are those high points uh i could just see like a little bit what they're getting at the hard rock thing throws me for a loop because you know at most it's it's an alternative album, right? Like it's not, it's definitely not like a straight up punk album in the sense that, you know, not every song is, you know, blasting you in the face with speed or anything like that, but it is definitely, you know, um, maybe, maybe it is, who knows? Maybe when they sat down and wrote, they were writing harder hitting songs and it's just their alkaline trio. So it just comes across as alkaline trio. I don't know. Yeah. Or even thinking, um, I can't remember what the album was right before this one. Is that Crimson? Okay, it could have been. Yeah, I don't know that one as much. So maybe compared to that, this is right. a lot harder. Or maybe the influence was more kind of in overall maybe vibe of it versus the actual sound. I mean, there could be all sorts of different directions right. and ways to take that. So, But I mean that, yeah, it's, like it is, it's an, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just looking to see. I think it would be Crimson because Crimson was 2005 and then Agony and Irony is 2008 uh yeah so crimson was the record before which i don't know if i've ever listened to that album come to think of it but yeah um but uh getting back to agony and ivory or agony and ivory agony and irony um calling all skeletons as an opening track what are your thoughts on that so this is the song that hooked me on on this album i remember listening to this at a, a listening station at hmv for those that that remember that you could pick a cd and listen to it and uh yeah just as soon as that first song started or the skeletons just with that guitar and the vocals that just hooked me right in you know it's so catchy to me and the, cl- uh, the hand claps <laughs> yeah right as i was listening i was like okay that's yeah that, that's fine it's not not my favorite <laughs> but i just love that like those big guitars and and uh so maybe that's kind of the reference you know to that hard rock anthems the kind of bigger t- guitar sounds on there yeah and, um, yeah, the song seems to refer to an old relationship where the person had many skeletons in their closet and how that can often leave the other person feeling like they have a hole in their chest. So it's, it starts right off with the, with the dark, depressing lyrics. But, <laughs> but it's such a catchy song that, you know, I've never, I've never taken it as that. So I yeah. like that, uh, that back and forth, too, of, you know, like really happy, upbeat music with, I wouldn't say necessarily darker lyrics, but, you know, whatever whatever that category that fits into. So, yeah, I, I just love this as an opening song. But even a lot of times if Alkaline Trio are writing happy songs, they're still dark. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> just, yeah. just the way they are. So let's get into, uh, I guess, I mean, technically we just talked about Calling All Skeletons, but uh, uh, the first track we're going to look at, which is Help Me. 
So I think this did I did I pick this one? Are we both kind of yeah, agreed th- on this one? Yeah, I had this one on my list, but I think it was I think the we one both had it. Yeah. So why don't why don't you take this one though? We both did have this on our list, but I'll let you uh, start on this one. Yeah, this has a, a cool little piano part at the start of the song, which which adds a lot to the song. So again, you know, as I'm reading this, maybe maybe those influences came in just softer than we're expecting you know maybe to them that was a big thing to add and you know we're saying this is an anthemic hard rock but there could be just those really small nuances like just having you know it's just in the background of the song a little piano part i don't know if that's inspired by like someone like pat benatar i don't know a whole lot of uh right their discography so um but yeah it's a great second track on the album i often look on albums for that second track just to kind of see how it's going to follow up the opening one. And, and I really love this one. And, uh, yeah, so this one is a, a song about losing someone close to you, it seems. Um, I really like the lyrics on this song. And, um, again, it's it's a, a happy-sounding song um, with kind of sadder lyrics. Yeah, there's, there's a few points on this record uh, that I feel sold Mark and Travis of Blink-182 on the idea of recruiting Matt Skiba to join the band. Um, this is one of those songs because it kind of – uh, feels a little bit like a newer Blink song with the piano riff in the start to me, like just the overall vibe. Uh, the only thing they changed for the new Blink songs, though, was instead of saying la 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 like Matt does in the bridge, they would say na 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 on a Blink-182 song. But yeah, um, there you I, go. <laughs> I, I do I do immediately when that piano riff came in for me, like Skeletons, it came on, like the hand claps, everything's bright and happy. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool. I like this. And the second, because I think, yeah, this is the second song comes in and it's got yeah. this lead piano riff that I'm like, that is definitely new for them. It's not like a complex, over-the-top piano riff by any means. Right. Um, but I can I can get into it. And, um, yeah, they, it's funny because, like, the take that I had from the lyrics is kind of how we, and I mean, maybe you and I can do this, just people in general, when it comes to, like, music can oftentimes, you know, sort of see themselves in whatever a songwriter is writing about. Like, we've all seen it where, you know, people get attached to a songwriter and they know every lyric and they're singing every line at the top of their lungs when they see them live because every line means something so deep to them sort of thing, right? And this song, I kind of get that vibe at times that that's what he's singing about, how we can find a perfect connection in the midst of someone's heartbreak, uh, but it's with someone we don't even know uh, and how the listener can feel like they know someone or that person knows them based on their songs, no matter how messed up um, either side may be in that sort of, whether you want to call it a relationship or whatever. And uh, I also want to say the song has a pretty great music video with kind of like a steampunk vibe to it. And actually, Uh, I forgot to watch it. Yeah, Kat Von D is playing like the damsel in distress in it, which of course she's from LA Inc. back in the day, so it makes me want to go back and watch LA Inc. I don't know if you ever watched it. Knowing you've got a ton yeah. of tattoos, man, I'm sure you've seen it at some point in time, but Yeah, I remember seeing something about the video and I meant to go back and watch it and then I totally forgot. So Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um yeah, let's get into the next song. Does that sound like a plan? Yeah, over yeah. and out. Five, two. 
that's funny that you mentioned that last one reminding you of Blink because that's the first thing I thought of with this song. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe something off the Untitled or something. You know, it's kind of got a darker, moodier vibe to start off. You know, when it picks it up for the choruses. Um, it was just something about it when it went on. I was like, oh, I just I can picture this kind of Blink playing it. So it's you know, funny kind of. They're pretty different bands, but I guess yeah. at times can be similar enough. I mean, that's literally my first note. This is another song that reminds me of the newer Blink records. Um, <laughs> and I mean, like that, when you bring up Untitled, like Blink definitely, on that album for sure, kind of took a bit of a darker tone to some of their music. So I, I think they have that in common, the two bands, like Alkaline Trio and Blink-182. And obviously now they really have the thing in common where Matt Skiba's in both of them. Um, but I've loved this song from the moment I heard it, like... Uh, while you know I liked the the opening piano riff on Help Me, this song immediately just kind of with the overall vibe, I guess you could say, of the song, the moodiness of it, I was kind of like, okay. And Alkaline Trio has that ability for me sometimes to so just kind of draw me in instantly of kind of going, what are they going to do next? Um, it's just everything in this song works so well. Lyrically, uh, I saw kind of some different sort of takes on it. Like, obviously, it, the song is about people dying, kind of in different ways and I'd seen some takes where it was um, you know just like just that people die but I feel like the whole song is actually about uh, like war and how it can take mm. your life whether it's you know you losing your life in war whether it's you know PTSD and you taking your life after war or right. like after going to war or whatever or even um, you know someone losing a loved one uh, because like that was where one of the explanations I saw kind of different from what I saw where it's talking about the second, the last half of the second verse where it talks about um, over and out. She sang as the telephone rang yeah. and talking about like not having to no more fear, not having to answer the phone anymore. Like I could see taking it as like, okay, like she's like shying away from, you know, the people in her life who are trying to get a hold of her and reach out to her or whatever. Cause she's just come to that point or, you know, it also being like, being afraid every time the phone rings that you're going to find out that, you know, you know, if it's a husband or a loved one or whatever who's shipped overseas or something has, in fact, died sort of deal, right? Like dreading that sort of uh, contact, I guess you could say. But, uh, yeah, just the overall vibe of this song hooked me immediately. And it's one that when I think about this record, that immediately gets stuck in my head. Yeah, I also had that. I, I thought the lyrics fit the music really well on this song, which I know maybe is kind of a vague thing. or, um, But, yeah, just as I was listening, you know, he would sing a part and was like, man, like, the music just fits so well to this. So I thought that was cool how they how they piece that together and, yeah. you know, just kind of helps the whole song kind of fit together as a piece. Yeah. Yeah, and just like the, the – um just the repetitiveness of using the line over and out and which is what makes me think like uh that it's more just about war than just plain old dying sort of thing just because like over and out you know a radio call sort of thing but right um, yeah let's get into i guess the last song off this record which would be lost and rendered Dead ends and miss 
so this is the one that I noticed the 80s influence on as I listened kind of through it again after reading that. You know, it's kind of got big opening guitars and drums that are maybe like a little bit reverby. The guitars sound a little bit lasery, you know, maybe like some of those bands. And and uh, so that was the one where I was like, okay, I, I could hear one influence. Maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. But for me anyways, that's, that's what it reminded me of. Um, this one stands out to me in this album. It uh, definitely has a different feel for Alkaline Trio. You know, it's it's really moody, but still super catchy and easy to digest. I know that could be said about a lot of their songs, but for some reason, this one just kind of stands out to me. And it's towards the end of the album, too, which, you know, oftentimes, you know, the bigger kind of songs or whatever can be towards the top of the album. So I always like that surprise of, you know, getting towards the end, you're kind of winding down, and then a song kind of grabs you. Um, the chorus sings, can anybody hear me? Is anyone out there? I've fallen and I'm broken down. I'm dying over here. If anybody's listening, I hope you hear my cries. My will to live is wearing thin. I'm running out of time. And uh, I just thought, you know, that could be used in many different circumstances in life. And, you know, an easy way to relate to whether that's, you know, physically or mentally or spiritually or whatever. Just kind of feeling that kind of at the end of your rope and wondering if, you know, anybody can kind of relate to where you're at. I really like um, a couple things on this song. First, going back to the comments on the guitars, uh, it's definitely a different distortion that's being used on this song from the other songs. And you know, sometimes I wonder with a band like this how something like that comes to be. Like in the sense that you know, it's not like they're going into every song being like, "Okay, what pedal can I use on my effects board now?" Right? And like bringing all those things together. It's more, you know, Alkaline Trio is very much distorted guitar clean guitar maybe something like a chorus or a reverb or a delay sort of on there but not really messing with tones too much uh as far as like from one sound to the next and then this song comes out of nowhere and these guitars are quite fuzzy it's almost like a sharp fuzz like a harsher distortion almost like not heavier by any means but it like it cuts through more um in my mind and uh and then I really liked the, you know, the addition of when he says the line, at least for sure in the first chorus, when he says the line running out of time, how it like cuts to the clock ticking or whatever. Yeah. I was like, I thought it was kind of a neat little mm. touch. Sometimes those things can be a little gimmicky or whatever, but it works. It works super well in this song. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Did you have any other notes or, or, or honorable mentions on this record? Um, nope. That that was it, but yeah, o- overall a great record. I mean, it's it's classic, typical Alkaline Trio, but you know, with maybe a bit of a twist, a few different different sounds from the other albums that we talked about, and so it's kind of cool seeing that that progression. Even though I, I think there's a, you know a few albums in between that we were not as familiar with, but I, it's nice going. You know, those other ones were you know pretty old. You know, early two thousands, or yeah. maybe even like mid nineties for those ones, and so. You know, it's cool to see just what they've done with the time and the writing and, and yeah. the progression on that. Yeah, the last two we did were definitely early 2000s. I want to say they were 01 and 03. Uh, or From okay. Here to Infirmary was 98. Good Morning was 2003. No, From Here to Infirmary is not 98. That's a misprint for sure uh, because it also says that uh, uh, that Maybe I'll Catch Fire is 2000, which Maybe I'll Catch Fire came out before From Here to Infirmary. So Apple Music, get your stuff together. I'm going to guess 2001. Okay. In 2003. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's move on then to this addiction.
just like heroin I feel you coursing through my veins I was trying to kick this addiction I swear I'll never kick again Won't ever kick again This is their follow-up, so their seventh album. It was released in February, and this was on their newly formed record label, Heart and Skull, which was a joint venture with Epitaph Records. Uh, so this was also something that was becoming more common in this time where, you know, bands would kind of create their own imprint, you know, on a bigger label, but so that they could, um, you know, maybe be a bit more in control of their songs. And, um, you know, things were hadn't really gone how they wanted to on Epic. Like I said before, you know, things had shifted over, staff had changed, and they kind of found themselves not really knowing anyone at their record label, which would be a really weird feeling. And so thankfully they were just able to ask to be released from that, and they were, and, and then created this partnership with Epitaph. So they described this as a return to their punk rock roots. Um, so I, again, I find it hard with some of these, like I said, with the last one with the, the anthemic, you know, the hard rock, like, to me, this just sounds like another Alkaline Trio album, um, which isn't a bad thing. I just, I didn't listen to it and be like, oh, okay, back to the punk rock roots. Like it was, you know, it still kind of has its moments. And But anyways, so they recorded this back in their hometown of Chicago with Matt Allison. So that's the same location and producer for uh, much of their early material. Um, so that was kind of interesting that, that they went back to, to that. The album draws lyrical inspiration from the band members' personal lives, addressing themes such as love, addiction, death, divorce, grief, suicide, politics, and war. And it became their highest charting album of their career. So, you know, we've mentioned a few times with their numbers. And so it's just, again, really cool to see that, that they kept doing so well. Um, uh, what else did I have for this one? Yes, yeah, so all the the eleven tracks, eight were written by Skiba and three by Adriano, and uh, so now that I realize that that Adriano was you know more of a songwriter, I didn't realize that we were talking about those other albums. Um, so it was cool to listen and then be like, okay, now I can tell the difference of them <laughs> too. And because yeah, I can remember what song it was off that last episode where it just threw me off. I was like, Matt just sounds so different, but that would be because it wasn't him. So. Um, yeah, it was cool on this one. You know, they both came up with an equal number of songs during the writing process, uh, but they say that it was pretty easy to pick out the ones they wanted to use. Um, you know, and there are three of them that they have equal say in the creative process. And I always wondered that with bands, you know, that are both writers. You know, we've talked about this with Blink and, and a few others. You know, is there ever that tension of, you know, like, well, this is a song I wrote. I, you know, I, I feel really attached to it. Like, how does that dynamic work of, you know, coming to the table with each having, you know, a bunch of songs and how do they, you know, kind of pick. But it also goes to show that, you know, when it comes down to it, it's the album and the band that that is going to make the impact. And so, you know, it's cool that they can, you know, put their personal emotions aside and, and pick the songs that are going to, to represent them the best. Hmm. It's interesting that you brought up the bit about, did you say it was Skiba that said, you know, this was them going back to their punk rock roots or was it Dan? Yeah. So one thing I definitely noticed between this record 
and agony and irony is that this record I can see that to me it actually it feels more raw the production when you then also mentioned that they went back to kind of like the original guy they worked with back in the early I was like oh yeah like this record sounds different to me it sounds more like their old stuff and I, I maybe the easiest way to I guess sort of describe that um, is that the production to me sounds more raw and a little bit thinner than, mm. you know, we'd heard on Good Morning or on um, Agony and Irony. Like, it reminded me a little bit more of, you know, what we'd heard on uh, From Here to Infirmary sort of stuff. So uh, I can, I can kind of see that. Now, it's a return to their punk rock roots, but also they're still they're more polished than they would have been earlier on, right? Like, we talked about that as far as, you know, songwriters are concerned. But um, I really... I put this one, the first time I put this one on, I listened straight through without even realizing that, you know, I'd, I'd reached the end of the record. I was like, oh man, that was good. Now there, it was harder for me to pick songs off this one because I didn't find there were as many that like just stood right out as there were on, Mm. on Agony and Irony. But, um, I do think kind of that it's the better overall record for me anyway. And I did want to say, um, a couple of things. One, the opening track, which is also, um, the title track has a bit of an Atari's vibe to me on the opening riff. Like as soon as it came in, I was like, what does this remind me of? Oh yeah. And it's totally the Atari's that it reminds me of. And then the music video, um, it's pretty great. Cause it's got, I don't know if you saw this one, but, uh, there it's the bands playing in like this wide open Valley. And there's like a bunch of like school age kids or whatever that are lined up on opposite sides of the band, looking like they're about to play the most epic game of like red Rover or whatever. They're standing in a line and they start running at each other. And then as they get to each other though, they run into each other and they explode into colorful feathers. So I don't know what's really going on in that video, but it's, it's pretty great watch. And here's a little interesting tidbit that i noticed i was thinking about this um up until their latest full length full length album is this thing cursed every single one of their albums starts with matt skiba singing like they have oh, wow. they I have two up on that yeah they have two distinct lead singers in every record outside of is this thing cursed including uh the split with hot water music for sure and getting into like their eps and other splits i'm not 100 percent sure but they're all um they're all Matt Skiba songs, and then as this thing curse starts with a with a Dan song, and I'm like, oh, that's crazy. But yeah, anyway, I wonder I if just, there was any specific thought behind that, or if it's just kind of their know. thing. Who knows? I mean, maybe like you had mentioned on this record that I think you said eight songs were written by Matt, and then three were written like by Dan. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously, if if that's usually the case, like with what makes the record, obviously you're probably going to have a better chance. I also I don't think that. I'm curious now to look, to flip through the songs. Like, is Dan singing lead only on the songs he wrote, or does he sing lead on some songs that Matt wrote? Because I felt like it was more evenly spread out than that, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I'd have to go back and check. But yeah, especially, the, uh, I was going to say real quick, especially since if that's the case, two out of the three songs we picked for this album are Dan songs. So if he's only singing the songs he wrote... We almost picked every one of his songs. So why don't we get into the first one, which is Dine, Dine, My Darling. Don't leave me alone, I'm waiting for this to be the last thing that I say. Well, if I drive to you good, then I probably could get a couple more days, but the drugs are lame, so I'm looking for you to be the very last thing I see before I up and fly away. I'm counting on you to help push me through with something good to remember on my red list. 
so that's uh, yeah, I, I love I love uh, Dan on, on this one. Um, yeah, I just love the flow and the feel to the song. There's something about it that catches my ear, and it just kind of makes me happy as as I listen to it. Uh, it's really catchy. It's got a, a smooth chorus. Like we said, it's uh, one of Dan's songs. Uh, it has this, you know, kind of the classic key change halfway through the song that yeah. I usually like because it kind of lets you hear the song, you know, almost in a different version. And, you know, it gives more opportunity to kind of stretch the vocals and add some dynamic to the song. And they don't, it's not something they do very often. So when they did it on this, I, I definitely noticed that. Now, again, it's a darker song lyrically. kind of reminds me of um, Romeo and Juliet, kind of the whole let's have one awesome right, last day yeah. together and then die in each other's arms vibe and, and uh, so I just kind of got a kick out of that and took me back to watching those old school Romeo <laughs> and Juliet movies and yeah. yeah it's just it's such a great song I love this one that's a good pickup on the Romeo and Juliet thing because I mean notes wise I said on this song it seems to be you know it's it's clearly a song about someone who wants to spend his av- every last waking second with this other person because kind of basically you never know when your la- when you know what second's going to be your last type thing but um it's a bit this this is an interesting song to me because you talking about the key change real quick. I don't typically like key changes in songs. Um, I find like sometimes they're good, but a lot of times I'm kind of like, uh, and I mean, they obviously serve a purpose to like kind of take a song to the next level. But what I think really takes this song to the next level on this particular instance is actually uh, like Derek's drumming because when the key change happens, he also changes up what he's playing. And specifically on the line uh, where he says, and then kiss, kiss, kiss until the last clock tick, he's yeah. doing these snare rolls that kind of like change the, totally change the feel of that line. And um, so the first time I heard it, it like just jumped out to me. But there's also a bit of a throwback, a bit of a reference, I guess you could say, um, on this song to Private Eye, which is the opening track off of From Here to Infirmary, when Dan sings, I'll be bored as heaven. I don't know if they got that line from somewhere else. I mean, obviously it's a play on, you know, like bored as hell sort of thing, right? But he's saying, yeah. I'll be bored as heaven, which potentially I think he could be referencing the line, New Year's Eve was as boring as heaven from the song Private Eye. Oh, But that that could be wrong, though, because Matt sang Private Eye and Dan sings this one. But if, in fact, you know, Dan is singing some songs that Matt wrote, he very well could be referencing that song. But, I mean, it's also an Alkaline Trio song, so he can reference it if he wants, you know? There you go. There are no rules. This is on their label. They're breaking all the rules. That's right. They can do whatever they feel. (laughs) Um, So let's move into the next song, which is the song Off the Map. I needed more wine, you needed more sleep We just fought two hours and seven minutes Honestly, I'm surprised we made it I retired to my chair, I grabbed my new guitar But I can't make a sound You could hear poisonous pins dropping all around like rain But I can ride this storm out Because I'm Can roll, roll, roll my 
so this was my my pick for this album, and it was immediate with this album from the moment yeah. I heard it um, to you know trying to figure out what songs I wanted to cover off the map from the harmonics kind of starting at the beginning as Matt is is sliding down his guitar and just muting the strings um, straight into Dan singing and Matt just like playing. I think he's might just be palm muting and it's just like just the voice and the guitar. Yeah. And then it just kind of like slowly comes into the song, right? Like it's kind of like a casual pre-chorus and then the chorus is kind of quiet and then it's just like from the moment it starts it's just like dragging you along going like okay what's going to be coming up next with this um and matt's harmonies on the chorus are great as well when he say oh, like man. come on they use the lyric row 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 my boat right <laughs> like <Yeah>. come <laughs> on like that's and and i mean matt's harmonies make it great it, the, it just fits the whole song uh lyrically i think it's something we've all faced before specifically if you're in a relationship with someone you know making up after a fight uh, the nautical imagery used reminds me of the saying smooth seas never made a skilled sailor. So if your you know, relationship hasn't experienced any kind of tension or whatever, the smallest ripple is going to send you off course. And um, yeah, and I also really like how lyrically, you know, especially in that first verse, he's just talking about like, OK, we fought for over two hours. I'm surprised we made it out. Um, I think he says I needed more wine. You needed more sleep or something like that. And then he talks about going and sitting in his old chair or sitting in his chair and playing his new guitar. It's just like these like really regular sort of lyrics that he's saying. Like, yeah, I mean, you just had a fight with someone you love. What do you want to do? I just want to go sit in my chair and play guitar, man. I just got to blow off some steam, right? Like, it's kind of cool. And then uh, the line, I'm so far off the map, the sun is shining while it's raining and I'm draped in silver lining is pure poetry. It's so dang good. Like, I don't know. This song, I like. I would, I would say thank you for recommending this album purely based off of this song alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's funny because those are pretty much all the exact same things that stood out to me. Um, yeah, I really like. I love the pre-chorus, and I love how the chorus just i had to go and look at the lyrics because like is this the chorus because yeah. the first time through it just kind of keeps it going yeah which i thought was a really clever way to just you know change it up a bit you know until later in the song you know it's a, bit, a little bit more upbeat but yeah that's that harmonizing with the roll roll your boat back to shore like this is so yeah. oh excuse me i'm burping <laughs> so catchy and and i wish i wish they harmonized more together because it just you know their voices aren't you know too drastically different but different enough that you know i'm assuming that's matt doing the harmonies yep um it just adds that little just that extra touch of just like oh this just grabbed me into the part it was already it was already great but now it's memorable and i just like i just look at the words and i can hear it in my head and uh, so i wonder why they they don't do that more but maybe that's just kind of their writing style yeah i don't know i mean it makes it impactful when they do it Right. Like when that happens, you go, you, you typically notice, I think. Um, but yeah, great song. Let's get into the last one, which is Piss and Vinegar. Well, I'm Piss and Vinegar again. And I is in a rattle and shed. And I encircle you like a fur on a school as you'd slowly fight your way to shore. Well, I'm Piss and Vinegar again. And I needed this like a new home. Sweet 
favorite drinks. <laughs> Gosh! <laughs> Besides Fresca. <laughs> Just That's kidding, yeah. sorry. Uh, this, the opening of this song reminds me so much of like classic 90s alternative pop punk. The two bands that came to mind immediately were Eve Six and Lit. Okay. Like, just something with the vocals and the guitar. Go back and listen to it and see if you can hear uh, hear those bands in there. I can picture it on like kind of any kind of 90s movie where a guy gets dumped or something. And right. You know, he's like walking around or something and this song is on. I love that little guitar lead in the song. Yep. It adds so much. You know, there's not a ton of that on this album. Um, you know, they did strip this album down. Like you said, it's a bit thinner. They didn't do a ton of overdubs and extra parts. So this part stood out to me a lot. You know, I can't remember exactly what it was, but just a little it's a little kind of ditty that just added a yeah. lot. Yeah, yeah. I don't have a whole lot else to say about this one. I mean, it's it's just over two minutes, so it comes and goes fast. Yeah. But again, I, I like, you know, in that two minutes, there's some really cool parts in there that make me want to listen to it again. So that's yeah. almost better to have a shorter song that makes you want to go listen to it again than yeah. just, you know, repeating parts or whatever. And yeah, great, great Alkaline Trio song. It's got a great chorus and a bridge, too. And yeah, always, I love this. It's always good to leave them wanting more. And I think this song definitely does that. There are a few things that I wanted to say about this song. Uh, that Like that guitar riff that I think you're talking about definitely reminds me of like, early 2000s late 90s pop punk or whatever but um, the phrase full of piss and vinegar has always been a phrase that makes me laugh and I was like where did this you know where did this come from and I mean it just turns out that uh, there were actually originally two variations of this phrase like um, one of which was pep and vinegar but I don't know if that holds the same effect as piss and vinegar like pep and vinegar makes me think like yeah, someone who's just like full of energy and, you know, is is ready to put that energy to use. Whereas like piss and vinegar reminds me of someone who's full of energy, ready to put that energy to use, but also has attitude with it, right? Like yeah. it's just like, you know, I don't I don't care what you say. I don't care what you're going to try and do to stop me from doing this or that or whatever. Um so it's just funny. I was like, could you imagine if the song though was called Pep and Vinegar? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't quite have the same uh, edge to it for the song, so no. I'm glad they went with piss. It really instead. does. <laughs> and I think I feel like that's the phrase that stuck around more so than pep and vinegar. But, um, anyways, I guess like did you did you have a conclusion you wanted to say? I did have a few kind of overall concluding notes about these records. But what were your thoughts on the? Yeah, two it was albums? just you know the final opinions on this album were a bit mixed. Um, you know, some called it an easy listen with the same soothing vocals and clean-cut sing-along choruses. We've grown to love overall a great offering, but not overly addictive. Um, and there were some other comments about, you know, it could be a bit polarizing to fans. You know, some who, who love the album because it goes back to the roots, some who dislike it because it's too, you know, a cheap imitation of older days. And then those who, um, you know, thought it was a step backwards. So, you know, when I think of all those, you know, when I've listened to all these records, to me, it all sounds like Alkaline Trio. You know, maybe I just haven't listened to them to enough to say, you know, this era was better than the other. Um, and so it's yeah, just interesting that this album would have been one that kind of split fans because there's a lot of great songs on it. It still sounds like them. It's not, you know, disorienting people or something. So I, I thought that was an interesting comment. Yeah, that that is interesting. I actually really liked both of these records. I think, in the end, the one I liked more was This Addiction. Um, 
uh, Agony and Irony, really good. Like I said, I think it had some of the better songs, but overall, I like the flow of this addiction more. The one thing, the big, like my biggest complaint about these two records, and I don't know if these were on the original releases or not, but the acoustic songs at the end make like they're. I don't need them. Like I don't know why they're right. there. Um, specifically, I have no idea why they have an acoustic version of Maybe I'll Catch Fire on there because that's literally off their second album. Like why it's not an acoustic version of a song on this record. They just threw it on there. Now, having said all that, I enjoy these acoustic versions of the songs, but I don't need them. Obviously, they released an acoustic record, I think, a few years after that or whatever. And it's like, that's the perfect place for them. But to just throw on four or five or whatever it was, like acoustic versions of songs at the ends of these, I was like, it just makes it feel like the record doesn't end, when, especially when it should have ended, right? Like it had its natural end and then they're like instead of it being like oh here's a bonus track an acoustic version it's literally here's an ep's worth of acoustic songs on the tail end of these full lengths yeah and was that because they were like deluxe releases or that's on on because i thought on spotify it said something about yeah sorry yeah they are i'm looking now they are the deluxe versions but those are the only ones that are on apple music which drives me crazy like, yeah. there's a good chance that um, whenever I was playing them, I was typically driving, and I was like, oh, I should have just, like, removed those songs because, you know, I'll, I'll set something up where I'll be like, play this album, and then you go play later, or whatever, and I'll just kind of pick a few albums in a row uh, is if I'm driving far enough. And so when it would be getting to those, I'd be like, oh, I should have just deleted those. Like, I hate, I'm not a fan, I don't know about you, but I'm not really a fan of deluxe versions when the idea is just tack a couple of extra songs on there that are acoustic versions or b-sides or whatever it never sits right with me yeah it always seems a bit lame and i honestly just didn't even listen to them because i saw it there and i was like you know what this wasn't a part of the original album as far as i know they're not songs i listened to when i bought the cd and i was like i just want to leave it as is and not you know taint my view of that so i'm glad i didn't right too bad for you (laughs) Speaking of leaving it as is, I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. So before we get out of here, though, you know, all the stuff we always got to do, go ahead and follow us on our social media sites, Instagram, Twitter, at Growing Punk Pod. You can find us on Facebook um, as well. You can also find us wherever you're listening to podcasts, your favorite podcast apps. We are there. Uh, so go rate, review, subscribe, that stuff. Tell your friends. You know how it goes. Also on our Instagram and Twitter and stuff, you'll find our personal instagrams and twitters there as well so go follow us there too um but that'll do it so bye-bye yeah thanks for listening greatly appreciate it see you next time Do you buy your thumb in a suit? I do buy my thumb, sir! Do you buy your thumb in a suit? Sir!